<laughs> well, for all of us here at Channel 4 News, I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, San Diego. And thanks for stopping by. But mainly, stay classy. Thanks for stopping by. Stay classy, I'm Ron Burgundy. Thanks for stopping by. Stay classy. Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. huh, you're a real hooker, and oh. I'm gonna slap you in public. Oh. <laughs> you have way too much pubic hair. Mm. Actually, that's a point of pride. I'm very proud of my mane of pubic hair, so thank you. You have man boobs. <laughs> You've got a dirty, whorish mouth, is what you have. I'm gonna punch you in the ovary. That's what I'm gonna do. A straight shot. Ooh, ow. Right to the baby maker. <laughs> Prescott runs it up the middle. 15, 10, 5, diving to the run. Keep it. Prescott breaks the tackle. He picks up a total of nine more. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, oh. You almost got to hope it's a cramp, don't you, if you're a Cowboy fan right there? But, oh, that, that does not look good, Jim. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. Welcome back. It's the Zero to 100 podcast. I am your host, William C. Walker Jr. And this is episode 53, what I've called The Fly and the Broken Bone. Uh, the recordings for this episode actually took place last week and it was a family affair. I was happily joined by my sister Kenya and my niece Samaya. And uh, we shared our reaction to the vice presidential debate uh, between Kamala Harris and Mike Pence. And uh, then I was uh, happy to have the very first guest of the Zero to 100 podcast, my dad, and also my brother Corey, uh, join me so that we could share our reactions to the Cowboys win over the Giants last Sunday. And while the Cowboys did win, uh, as I discussed in this episode, it felt like a devastating loss, and that was due to the injury to uh, Dak Prescott, uh, who's going to be gone for the year. And as I've been doing the last few episodes, I decided to break this episode up. So you're going to have a debate talk, Cowboys, debate talk, and then uh, wrapping it up with uh, Cowboys. And uh, also, I'm going to tell you that the next episode will be coming out much faster than, uh, than before, especially uh, since the topic is from this past week. And I'll share those details at the end of the episode. This is episode 53, The Fly and the Broken Bone. Let's go. So it's the Zero to 100 podcast. 
and I am joined by two guests today. I have my sister, Kenya. Hi. And I have my niece, Samaya. Hi. So starting with you, Samaya, what would you say, how did you compare the vice president debate to the presidential debate? I definitely think it was a lot more civilized and I could definitely hear a lot more of what they had to say considering the questions. Um, what I would say is like um, for the presidential debate, I feel like Joe Biden was able to actually get out what he wanted to do for his campaign, like if he were elected as president. Whereas I feel like in the vice presidential debate, I didn't really get a lot of that. Yes, they did say like what they would do, but it was a lot of pointing fingers for me. Mm -hmm. What about you, Kenya? Interestingly enough, you know, I watched CNN, like I take the debates. Uh, so the presidential debate, I watched like five or six days after it happened. So they were kind of like right back to back for me. So the presidential debate was right fresh in my head. And one of the people on um, CNN said that it was a SHIT show. And I was like, <laughs> yup, 100%. Then another man said, that was a dumpster fire within something, within something else. Yeah, a hot mess within <laughs> a, a dumpster, dumpster fire. fire. Yeah, and I was like, it really was um, <laughs> because the president interrupts every chance he gets. He doesn't let anybody make comments, and it was just a disaster. And to me, I'm like, if you want somebody to reelect you, I think he needs to just humble himself because he's just 100% ridiculous. At this point though, I know who I'm voting for. I know when I'm voting and he, there's nothing that he can do to change my mind. He's just a disaster and I can't take it. The easiest thing for him to say was, I condemn white supremacists, all of them. He couldn't even say that. Well, who do you want me to condemn? Um, in comparison, I agree with Samaya that the vice presidential debate was more civilized and Kamala didn't even have to do much of anything because they're winning. I found both candidates kind of flat uh, in that, that particular debate. I, I feel like Pence did the same thing Trump did. He just did it in a more polite way because he kept interrupting. And that's yeah. when you got Kamala's like, I, I'm speaking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm speaking. And I think in general, as women, we sometimes have to do that. Women... I hate to say it, but women are treated different than men. Black women are treated yeah. different than men. I don't know how white women are treated because I'm not one. And one of the most interesting things that I've learned uh, working in, in the business that I work in that's overrun with white men, I'm the only black institutional CMC at Cat Trust. The only black woman. I, and I didn't realize I was the only one until I had to go to a meeting in Charlotte and I was the only black woman. They sent me to do some busy work where they were talking about um, some ideas. And I had put some ideas out of their world when they sent me to do the busy work. And he said, when you finish with that, the boss said, when you finish with that, come back and join us. So I finished it probably quicker than they expected me to. I went back to join and they were saying the exact same thing that I had put out there. And they were like, well, it's a little bit different than what you said. I'm like, no, that's exactly no. what I said. So mm -hmm. it's interesting how black women are treated. 
And, and I have been told to be careful with how I behave and how I act around there because it's a good old boy institution. And that's nothing bad about my job because I think they're great. They're way better than where I came from. That's a, that's a good segue because I wanted to talk about uh, what did you guys think of Kamala Harris's performance? Because I do think it was, uh, you know, it was a couple of times where I know a lot of um, commentators was talking about how she, and even some of my friends that I spoke to, that they felt like she let, she pulled her punches and she really could have went, like she's a former uh, prosecutor and she could have really went hard at him. And I was like, well, that's because one, because she's a woman and then two, she's a black woman and you had that horrible stereotype of, well, here we go. There's an angry black woman. Look at her getting all mad. And so what did you guys think of her performance? You want Uh, me to go first or some Yeah, Kenya. Um, again, I feel like it was kind of flat, but the reason that I think it was flat was because of what you said. We don't want to be like, oh, here we go. Angry back black woman. And they already calling her Mamala instead of Kamala, uh, because I think that's what her stepkids call her. I was about to say. Anyway. (laughs) But, um, that's neither here nor there. I don't think that she has to be aggressive and angry because I think that the Biden-Harris ticket has a 10-point lead and they're trying to hold on to that. So she doesn't have to be on the tack. She doesn't have to be on the defense. She's, they're, they're in a good position and they just don't need to do anything stupid like say, I'm cured from coronavirus. I'm immune to this because I just got a news blast that says the president claims he's immune to coronavirus. And I'm just like, why do you just say dumb stuff? Why do you do this? I don't get it. You, you don't. Because he's I mean, insane. people are mad at you already. Stop saying dumb stuff. Why can't he just humble himself? He can't. He's the most, like, he's the least person who could ever be humble. All right, Samaya, what did you think of uh, Kamala Harris's performance? Um. Well, this is my first time hearing Kamala Harris actually, like, speak. So it was interesting. The first thing I noticed was how much she sounded like um, the comedian who plays her in SNL. I was like, wow, she does a really nice job. Um, I think she handled it well, especially like when it came to like Mike Pence interrupting her. Um, I also liked how she like addressed herself. One thing that I heard from the newscasters was that she like introduced herself to the American people. She talked about her credentials which is good, I guess. But then it opened up for Mike Pence to start talking about like how she was kind of like, you know, not, um, what's the word, consistent with how she voted in like um, trying to change the uh, the prison system or that, uh, I feel like that, that was something that people brought up when she was running for the candidate for Democrat, the Democrat presidential candidate so I think that was kind of like a little iffy, but she still like handled herself pretty well, I believe, with things like when she was attacked by Mike Pence or when Joe Biden was attacked by Mike Pence. Um, and I feel like, like Aunt Kenya has said, there she didn't really have to do much because like Joe Biden already did a pretty good job during his debate. She just had to keep calm, which they kind of both did. Um, but yeah. I think she did pretty good. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, I, you know, to um, talk about what, what you were saying, too, when Pence was coming at her. Like, I remember, uh, like, I've known about Kamala Harris uh, for a while now. I actually first got on to her 
when they was like uh, she had a couple of viral clips in regards to her um her in the Senate when she was like grilling uh Trump appointees for different uh positions. Like I remember when she got into Jeff Sessions and um William Barr and just like the way that she really handled herself. And so that's where I first kind of uh, heard about her. And then I was kind of excited about her running. And then when I started digging into her, when I was trying to do spotlights, that's when I started seeing her track record as attorney general of California, which made me go, because I didn't like a lot of the stuff that she did in terms of um, black people and, and, you know, uh, innocent people trying to get out of prison. So I was looking at her like, but I also looked at her like she's a lawyer and she was like, the state was her client and she was a good lawyer. So that's just, that's what it is. And unfortunately, sometimes lawyers defend stuff that they, you wouldn't really like, or they go after things that you don't like. But I, I think she's very skilled and I'm excited about her, her, you know, Let's just say she's a trillion times better than Pence and she's a trillion times better than Sarah Palin. It's not like they just threw her up there and say, hey, look, it's a woman. Vote for me. Like, she actually is is qualified, in my opinion. I I agree with that 100%. And it's really exciting to me to have a Black woman. And so many people have said, oh, Kenya, you just like her because she's an AKA. I was first introduced to her because she was an AKA and I started looking at that. But what got me even more excited about her is the fact that she's a a graduate of Howard University. Mm -hmm. And one of the most ignorant questions that I've been asked, and it's not really ignorant because ignorant means to not know. So maybe it is ignorant, but people have said to me, do you think you got a quality education from an HBCU? And I said, yes, I say yes all the time. My boss went to Spelman University. I'm a graduate of Johnson C. Smith University. And she said she gets asked that question. Do you think you got a quality education from an HBCU? To me, Spelman, Howard, these are the Ivy Leagues of HBCUs. Mm -hmm. But whether or not I went to an HBCU, let's just say I went to Yale or someplace like that. My education is what I make of it. It's what I put into it. And the fact that this woman went to Howard University, she then left there and went to law school. She then became the attorney general for California. I don't know if it was in necessarily that order, but I'm sure she had other jobs before that. But you know, I'm speaking in general terms, just in case the president comes back and looks at this and says, she doesn't even know what she's talking about. But anyway, (laughs) these things happened and she's now in line to be the first black woman to, to, reached the highest ticket um, on, on, a, a, gen, on, a, on um, a major party election. This is a HBCU graduate. Mm-hmm. That's exciting to me. I'm, I'm just as excited that she's an AKA, but it's more exciting to me that she went to an HBCU. And I'm like, look at the quality education that this woman got from an HBCU. And I can't even get people in my family to look at HBCUs when I said, I will pay your application fees to go to an HBCU or to even try. That's she's looking at you, Samaya. That's not me. Okay, I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna say this on your podcast so that I don't have to keep saying it. Listen, okay? I come from uh, a a family. I come from a like situation at home where a lot of the black people I go to school with 
school with, I don't really hang out with them. So I always felt like in school, if I were to go to a predominantly black school, I would be out and about because as you can say, a lot of things that I like are probably considered a lot of things that white people like. So I feel like if I were to go to a historically black school, I would be singled out. I'd, I'd have no friends. Nobody would want to be friends with me. That's why I did not want to go to a historically black school. Now, being at University of Delaware, predominantly white school, I can see where I have made a mistake. I don't like seeing just okay. white people where I've all of my life have seen mostly diverse. Like, it's not too much black, not too much black. But I'm too much white, but it's all like mixed. I don't like having to go to University of Delaware. See, it's mostly white people, and I don't see a lot of black people. Well, well, we're getting off track, but I'd like to make a counterpoint as if we were in a debate. I come from the same family that she comes from, and one of the reasons that I wanted to go to an HBCU because I hadn't experienced that, and I hadn't been around my people, and I lived in a in a black neighborhood, and when I bought my first house, when I got my first apartment, it was in a black neighborhood and it wasn't just a black neighborhood. It was a V hood. And, um, and one of my, one of my boyfriends was like, aren't you scared being around? I'm like, why would I be scared being around my own people that perpetuates the nonsense that they think? I'll say this cause we are getting way off topic, but there's a, I will say this to Maya. to me, there's a misperception of what, makes a person black yes there like don't get me wrong like I, I i joke all the time there are some stereotypes of black people that i fully embrace and admit yes i love fried chicken it's delicious yes but <laughs> yes black people can cook and white people put crazy stuff in their potato salad like raisins that's some stuff that's true but i'll say this there's no definition of what makes a person black. Like, just like a lot of the stuff that you're in Samaya, into Samaya in terms of like uh, movies and comics, there is a whole host of black geekery and black geeks. Like, that's where that's the 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 uh, category I will put you in. And there's a ton of people that think the same way you do, and you would probably find them even at HBCUs. But let's move on because I don't want to get uh. That you know that gives me a good idea for maybe a future episode. Yeah. I'll have you back. Me too. Uh, what did you guys think? Starting with you, Samaya. What did you think of uh, the vice president Mike Pence's performance? Um, I feel like what a lot of the newscasters were saying was like after Trump's performance in the presidential debate, he had to do a lot of like making sure that he didn't get too frustrated and that um. I feel like, once again, that the whole point of the debate is for presidential candidates to get out what they want to do once they become president. Like, this is what I'm going to do. This is my agenda, blah, blah, blah. Where, okay, so in the presidential debate, Trump didn't do that. All he did was point fingers at Joe and, like, try to interrupt him. That's it. So I feel like with uh, Vice President Pence, he could have been like, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. Now, he did a, a, a little bit more of like pointing fingers at Cam Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. And I mean, there wasn't any, like, this is what we're gonna do. This is what we plan to do. I mean, he did mention how they both believe that by the end of this year, there should be a vaccine for the co for COVID. But I mean, they've been saying that for a while. Um, once again, they keep talking about this this plan that they have to, re to uh, replace the Affordable Care Act, but I don't, see it. I don't hear it. 
they haven't really said anything about it. And I'm like, okay, if you're so adamant about getting rid of it, please give us proof that you have one coming up. Like, I understand. Like, I'm not, I don't believe in Trump. I would not vote for Trump. I'm not a Trump supporter. But the people who talk so strongly about voting for Trump, I like to believe that they have a look of sense. So I try to feel like, okay, maybe they are doing something that I don't see because most of the things that I see are just probably uh, skewed towards the liberal side or whatever, or something like that. But no, all I see is literally nothing. It's, it's stupid. It's idiotic. It makes no sense. So I have no idea why these people are voting for Trump. I don't understand it. And if, if you can provide me any proof, reliable proof, as to why you're voting for them and what they're doing, what they've done the last four years that is the reason why you're voting for them, please, because I don't understand it. And I don't see why, I don't see how Pence probably, he probably did, I would say he did a lot better than Trump did in the presidential debate, but um, he once again was pointing fingers, didn't really get out what he was, what they were going to do if elected, like for another four years. Yeah. Uh, I would agree with that. Kenya? I agree 100%. I mean, this dude pointed out swine flu. When you look at swine flu in comparison to coronavirus, and I I don't know how many people died in swine flu. Was it like 13,000 or something like that? Um, But coronavirus has killed over 200,000 Americans. That is insane. Swine flu is not the same thing, so don't even bring that in my face. I believe that Mike Pence is very flat. He's he's very, I, again, with, I agree with Samaya. He did do better than, than Trump. And since Joe, both Joe Biden and Trump are going to be like the oldest presidents ever elected, should either one of them get elected, then I believe that either one of them has a reliable backup. However, I just, when I say reliable, I say somebody that's not going to die immediately unless they get struck mm-hmm. by lightning or something, and that still won't kill them. But <laughs> the, the thing is, I watch a lot of fact-checking on CNN, and the thing for me is I also watch Fox News because I want to hear both sides yeah. of it, but I get so upset when I watch Fox News, Fox News because I'm like, these are bold-faced lies. Mm -hmm. because of all the fact-checking that I watch on CNN. And I just feel like they make stuff up. And Trump has been saying for all of four years he's been in office, we're going to have a great health care plan. Well, what is it, President Trump? Don't worry about it. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Well, what is it? Tell us what it is. But they don't say anything because there's nothing. And I agree with Samaya why don't you give us some proof? I'm not going to just go out and vote for you just for the, the sake of voting. And what's driving me really crazy is these people that are saying, I hate both parties and I'm going to vote for a third party. A vote for a third party a is just a vote, a vote for Trump. I don't, it's, yeah, I, I don't it's, care what anybody, I've had this argument with people, it drives me crazy, but the reality of it is, yes. Would it be better if this wasn't a two-party system? It system? would be. Absolutely. Yes, it would be better. But guess what? It's not. It's, not. it's too ingrained. There's a reason why Bernie Sanders, and the reason I say it, because if you, Bernie Sanders is an independent. Reality is he's an independent. 
but he ran on a democratic under the democratic platform because he knows he needed the backing from a major party and there's only two major parties here maybe trump then mess up the system maybe in the future maybe you will be able to get a third party in there but right now it's too ingrained with the two-party system and trump loves to call people a disaster He's the biggest walking disaster I've ever seen in my life. And I'm, I don't even understand how he says these things with a straight face. I don't get how he comes out with these bold faced lies and people are just like, okay. One of the worst things that I heard him say in that 2016 election was, yeah, you can grab him by the P if, if you're famous. And I just don't understand why white women were okay with that and it, they voted for him. It, it is boggles the mind. It boggles the mind. I, I don't understand it. And they heard him on tape saying it. The, the and list, I just don't believe, I just still believe they haven't found the tape with him saying the N-word. Oh, I'm pretty certain it's out there. I know it exists. I'm pretty certain it's out there. But I'll, I'll say this, the last thing I'll say about Pence, and um, it, it's, it wasn't hard to follow up the president because like like you said, to me, he essentially did the same thing, but he just did it in a calmer manner in terms of interrupting. And he never answered a question. And I'll say this yes. for both of them. But yeah, Pence both, in I particular. Agree with one. I mean, both of them did it. Like both of them pretty much was like when the moderator would ask a question, they was pretty much like, F your question. But, is that supposed to is that supposed to be like a debate? Like, do they go in knowing I'm not answering any of these questions? I'm gonna say what I have to say in order to get out like what I want to talk about about my campaign. Because I know like when people get on TV, this is like a time for you to get your message out, so you can't yeah. really think about the questions. But I mean, like those are legitimate questions that we want the people want to know about. So you should answer those questions. Yeah. So should I mean, they every, answer your questions or should they just ignore them? I think every person or like they prepare, they practice, and they, they don't know what the questions are gonna be, but mm -hmm. they anticipate like, hey, if this subject comes up, do this. And Pence was just that that was like it was very clear early on that his strategy was if it's a question I don't like, I'm just not gonna answer it and I'll just talk about something that they did or, or I'll try to bring up their record. And that's why it got me so mad when it was one point where he, he asked Kamala Harris, like, I'm going to ask her, are you going to pack the court? And he's like, I just want to take note that she didn't answer. And I sit there like, dude, you ain't answered nothing. Exactly. So that's the first part of my conversation with uh, Samaya in Kenya. And uh, I wanted to break there uh, as we get into uh, the next uh, portion of that conversation, just taking a break there. Um, at least what I can say about the vice presidential debate, it, it actually operated in terms of what a debate should be, especially compared to the, uh, the first debate with Trump and Biden and how Trump has just went off the rails. Um, we get into some more details in, in regards to uh, <laughs> our, our thoughts and some of the funny moments, which I'm pretty certain everyone by now has already seen and known, especially after last week's Saturday Night Live. Uh, but up next, talking Cowboys. And like I said, the Cowboys won, but my goodness, why did it feel like a soul-crushing loss? Uh, 
I can't think of an injury to a player that has impacted me to the extent of uh, Dak Prescott's injury. But uh, talking some Cowboys, this is I'm joined by my dad and my brother Corey, and we talk about our reaction to the Cowboys Giants game. This is the Zero to One Hundred podcast. Let's go! It's the Zero to One Hundred podcast, and I have two guests tonight. I have my dad. What's up, dad? Hey, Billy. And I have my brother, Corey. Hey, Corey. Hey. So, all right, let me get you your uh, first reaction uh, to the game, the Cowboys beating the Giants 37-34. to 34. We can start with you, Dad. What was your reaction after the game? Well, you know, they it should have been a game they, they won. Um, it's, it's surprising that they scored uh, 34 points against the defense. That, that tells you the, um, the status of the defense. I mean, I think, uh, I think the defense is, wor- is ranked maybe 30th in the league or something. And so it was, it was good that they won the game. They're now in first place in the division. But that defense has a long way to go um, by the end of the season. Because they need to be, even though they got a, a stop when they needed it, uh, they need to be able to stop the teams more. And yeah. you know, do one or two things. Either stop the run or have blanket coverage. Now, you know, there were, there were some... Good passes, um, you know, where the, the receiver, the defender was there with the receiver, and they just made a good catch. And those things are going to happen. But, you know, for the most part, I'd give the uh, I'd give the offense, um, I'd give the offense maybe a B, and the defense still has a failing grade. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Corey? Yeah, I mean. Um... It doesn't really instill me in any confidence. Like, the only good thing about where Dallas is is that um, the division is so terrible that, uh, you know, somebody might win it with seven wins. It's as bad as uh, the division is looking. And so if you think, well, they got two wins so far, <laughs> they're in pretty good shape. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the offense – I guess even if the offense takes a step back, which we expect they will um, with Andy Dalton instead of um, Dak, the, uh, the the problem in, in, through these first five games has been the defense, and um, they haven't really shown anything to improve that, uh, particularly when you're going up against a bad team like the Giants. Uh, you know, the amount of points they gave up is – you know, just not good enough. And um, so, I, yeah, it, it's, I mean, it, it, if you think back to it, I guess over the, the course of the season, the defense's best game was that first one, um, yep. just giving up 20 points. Um, and so I don't, you know, the Rams have a pretty good offense. So I don't understand really. Um, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I don't think Van Der Esch makes that much of a difference, but maybe he does. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, my like if 
because it was the Giants and because it's like they struggled to beat them and because of the injury to Dak, I came out of that game feeling like they lost. Like, it just, I just felt like it was a loss as opposed to a win because Chalet was like, well, why didn't they win? Why aren't you happy? And I was just like, well, because Dak is going for the season and that defense looks terrible because you gave up 34 points to uh, to the Giants who hadn't scored. I think, like, they were saying they hadn't scored a touchdown. Like, they scored three touchdowns the entire season. So it was just – I was like, this is terrible. I mean, yeah. I guess you try to mitigate it because you go, well, they got 15 points off of turnovers. So you're like, well, maybe if the Cowboys stop turning the ball over, but – I don't have any confidence in the defense because they still let them do what they wanted. But um, let's transition to that injury. Oh, what was your feelings on the Dak Prescott play where he got injured in the in the injury, Corey? It, it was crazy because, like, I had I, – I turned the game off when it was 14-3 uh, to because I was just disgusted and was like – I feel like I'm bad luck. Like the the only games, I I didn't watch either of the games that they won, or or you know most of the uh, I missed most of those games. So then I turn the game back on, and they're you know moving the ball, and you know Dak took off and got a big gain. I'm like yeah, and then I'm like no, like, and and then Layla came over and was like, what's wrong, Daddy? Why are you screaming? And I said our quarterback got hurt. <laughs> She didn't really understand, but um, yeah, it was it was just you know, like you saw it as soon as he he held his foot up that um, you knew it was bad, and yeah. so it, was, it just it, it just really sucks. And and um, and then you think about like beyond the season, just the fact that he didn't get his um, you know long term deal yet, and so you, you worry about um, like at first I was like, well, of course Dallas is going to pay him, but then again, I don't know. They're probably going to try a low ball on, um, you know, just because it, it, who knows what he's going to look look like coming back from this injury, um, you know, because he, you know, he's not going to be the same uh, player he was before the injury, at least not initially. So it it, it just sucked. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't even think I was thinking about this season because um, I guess my expectations – for how team how far this team is gonna go in the season, even with Dak weren't that high because of how bad the defense is. But I was more just thinking about, you know, how unfortunate the time it was um, for him not getting his deal done before the season started. Yeah. How about you, Dad? Well yeah, the you know you were hoping that it wasn't going to be some season ending injury that he'd be able to come back before the end of the season, be there for the playoffs because, you know, he was on a record-setting year. Um, yeah, he's really becoming one of the, what they call elite quarterbacks. Um, and it, it was just, just devastating. I mean, you know, uh, Andy Dalton is nowhere near Dak Prescott. But, you know, you're hoping that uh, Mike McCarthy and, and Kellen Moore sort of now realize they have to change their play calling. Yeah. 
and really rely on the running game, even though that offensive line doesn't give you a whole lot of hope. But um, you can you can really uh, almost do what Jason Garrett was doing with um, the Giants. He's just calling plays that uh, put you in a better position to to succeed. Uh, yeah, you know, I think Kellen Moore can come up with the right kind of plays, but you know, you just as Corey said, you know, um, they they uh, didn't want to give him long term contract. Um, you know, I don't know if they became Romo shy or something where, you know, Romo in that final year really only played in one game. Yeah. Uh, got his money. Um, I don't know if it was – I mean, like, I know that they was um, – they offered him a five-year deal, um, and I think the reported number was like 35, but that really wasn't – the market because to me it was just barely over uh, Russell Wilson and I, I know Dex can't really want it only four years so that because they're trying to get as much guaranteed money as they could so they really only wanted the four years and it's like if you go do five then you got to pay him like Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson money which was forty and for some reason they didn't want to go up there but I just felt like you th- that's just you gotta pay the market. And you the ones that like they could have been re-signed that they the ones that wanted to wait around and um like I heard a lot of people saying, Oh, I think because Stephen Jones was saying today on a radio station that Dak is is still the future of their organization. So they you know, it sounds like they're gonna still offer him a long term deal, but you're like, you don't know that. Like they could just franchise him again and uh for thirty eight. And then you're in the same situation where, you know, unless, so, you know, we'll see. But, yeah, when I saw it, I was like, I think I, t- I texted Corey. I think I texted Corey like, no, <laughs> like three times in a row. Yeah. And Shalay was like, what's wrong? And I was just like, because I was already yelling during the game because they was playing so poorly early. And I was just like, he's gone. And I was just and it was like, because I was so hoping – it wasn't that bad. I mean, I didn't go as far as Romo, who was sitting there like, oh, you hope it's just – if you're a Cowboys fan, you hope it's a cramp. And I'm like, well, it's kind of hard to think it's a cramp <laughs> when his foot is turned sideways, Tony. I think it's a cramp. His foot is pointing the wrong direction. But, yeah, that, that hurt me. What hurt me the most was when he was going off and he started crying. That's where I was like, oh, it's bad. I was like, it's really bad. So that that got me. You knew that that was the end of the season. Yeah. 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 Um, do you guys worry about Dak's long-term future with the team? Like, like you know, we talked a little bit about it, but do you think the Cowboys are going to still offer him a long-term deal? They- well, you know, I th- I think he'll, he'll come back. At, you know, you've seen so many players with broken – limbs that, that have come back. Although, you know, this sort of reminds me of Joe Theismann you know, yeah. that ended his career. But, you know, Alex Smith was back playing. You sure? That was the crazy thing. People was talking about how crazy it was that Alex Smith came back and then, you know, the same day he came back and that goes out. They, uh, they had a doctor or um, it was a specialist on the station down in Dallas this evening 
and they were talking to him, and he was saying that it was, um, it, you know, the injury that he got wasn't as bad as um, Alex Smith's injury, though. So they were like, that's a good thing, and the surgery was successful. They were actually saying it was very similar. In, in fact, it was almost like the same as what Alan Hearns got in that playoff game mm-hmm. uh, versus Seattle. Uh, where he broke his leg in, in, in the playoff game, and he came back the next year and was still able to play back at the same level he was. Now, granted, you know Alan Hearns isn't like wasn't on the level of Dak Prescott, but so that's some. Yeah, yeah but it changes. It, it it's definitely going to change uh, Dak's uh, uh, you know uh, way of playing. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna call a a, a quarterback uh, keeper again. Like that and putting him out, um, you know he can still scramble in the pocket, but you know um, I wouldn't ha- have I wouldn't be calling his number to to um, to take off running, um, you know. But you know his passing was such that you know if he comes back at that level, you know uh, passing nearly 400 yards a game kind of thing. Uh, and, but you know all they got to do is complement it with the run. And, and not rely so heavily on that, but you know, it it, it it seemed as though they were in a good place, and this game wouldn't have been nowhere near close if they had any kind of defense. Yeah, because the only time the defense stops somebody is when the that that opposing team fails to execute. Yep. You know, it's not. You know, um, even though they did get to the quarterback some, um, you know, it, it, uh, they really were uh, picking them apart for the most part. Corey, what do you think about uh, Dak's long term? Are you worried about his long term future with the team? No, I mean, it, the only question is, I guess, it is like I, I think they'll still offer him a deal because. Um, even not knowing uh, how good he'll be coming off the injury, he's better than the unknown or what else is out there. This only question really is, um, is Dak going to, you know, uh, still play hardball, I guess, or, or like, uh, you know, not want to accept a lower offer than um, what they were offering before? Because I imagine Dallas is probably going to come you know, either with less years or less money or, or you know, uh, less of a guarantee than they were at, you know, um, at, during the off season. And so I, I think they'll find some way to get it done. Um, you know, maybe it'll allow Dallas to save a, a little bit of money or something. But um, I, I can't imagine them letting him go, especially um, off of an injury. I, I guess the only thing I worry about is like, would Dak pull a Le'Veon Bell or something where he's just like, you know, I'm not going to play under the franchise tag, so I'll sit out a season. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. You know, which, then, which based off of uh, the money that he's making in endorsements off the field and stuff, he he could probably afford to do that. So I guess, you know, that's the only worry that I have. But I, I think, like, the competitor that Dak is and all of that, like, he would want to come back and, and play and hopefully – um, Dallas, you know, wouldn't want to play hardball given that he, you know, had this injury playing under um, the franchise tag. They would kind of want to do the right thing. But um, who knows, you know, 
what they're going to do. So, uh, so if they if they were to offer him um, try to franchising the, the next year, and and you brought it up, Corey, that he could set out fully recuperate, and then if he were to go test the market, I mean, there's a lot of teams that would would go after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the first part of my conversation with uh, my dad and my brother, uh, Corey, in regards to the uh, Cowboys game. And I wanted to break there uh, at, when we were talking about what we think the Cowboys will do contract-wise for Dak. Because uh, the next part, uh, the next question I asked him is really a crazy hypothetical in uh, terms of what we think the Cowboys might do if given a certain scenario. And then also we just kind of get into where we think the Cowboys are going to go the rest of the way now being led by Andy Dalton. And, uh, but up next is the final piece of my conversation with uh, Kenyon Samaya talking about the vice presidential debate. And then after that, it'll be the end of the Cowboys conversation. And I'll wrap up the show. You're listening to the zero to 100 podcast. To the bat for right. Aren't they, isn't the Supreme Court full of mostly conservatives? Is it that them? Right now it is. And that's why I find it hilarious that they want to sit there and get mad to a, who they going to pick the court? Well, uh, you've been doing that. Uh, You've been gerrymandering. Like the reason why you got control and stuff is because of gerrymandering. You've been packing courts to get stuff your way. You've been packing the court with conservatives. So guess what? Uh, Turnabout's. Fair play, my friend. So I don't really like, and I get why, like, you know, because that's what I think. Me and Kenny, we talked about this. You're like, why won't they just say it? I'm like, well, because they don't want people to, like, they don't want to give the other side ammunition. Like, you better get out there because they're going to pack the court. The reality, and also, I do think that Joe Biden really doesn't want to do it. I think he would prefer not to pack the court and he would prefer to just be able to, to add his own justice to replace Ginsburg. But because of the Republicans, the way they're doing stuff, they're going to ram rod this uh, chick, Amy Cody, uh, Kobe Bryant through and <laughs> they're going to ram her through. And then he go like, look, I just say turn about fair play. I expect them to do it. I don't know if they're necessarily going to do it because even on the Democratic side and the Senate, like the House, I think is okay with it, but the Senate is uh, like they're not as a hundred percent on it. Democratic, uh, the Democrat senators aren't as hundred percent on board with it. So I think they'll have to, but I think he wants to reserve the decision until after he wins. I think he doesn't want to do it or say what he's going to do before he knows he's going to win. And And I think that's that's the right thing for him to do. Just like the right thing to do would be to wait for this election to be over for the people to determine who's going to be the president. And then the president, it drives me so crazy. I really hope that, 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 that Harrison beats Lindsey Graham. I pray oh, to, yes, yes. to black and white Jesus yes. that Lindsey Graham does not win a re, his re-election yes. because he's ridiculous. Use the tape against me. Yeah. Did you see yeah. his latest comment when they were no, talking? No, I haven't heard this. His latest comment when they were talking, somebody had asked him a question about, um, you know, uh, I wish I could find, I'm, I'm going to try to find the quote, but because uh, I'm paraphrasing 
they had asked him a question in regards to like, you know, um, uh, how do you feel about black people or what black people, uh, you know, can do in South Carolina and, you know, just the, the racial injustice and stuff like that. And he would say, okay, here it is. Um, he was saying this was, Lindsey Graham was saying, and this is, it was like, mind you, he's facing a black challenger. He said, if you're a young African-American, you can go anywhere in this state. You just need to be conservative, not liberal. And I'm sitting there like, in 2020, with all this stuff going on, you really fixed out your mouth to say, oh, if you're black in the state of South Carolina, yeah, you can go wherever you want. Just be conservative. Don't be a liberal. Like, what the? Like, what? What? And you really said that on camera. I just don't have words. It's like they're not inclusive of anybody. Yeah. And and it's like, why are you so? And and I hate to use the word stupid because yeah. it doesn't make sense. And then the president had the nerve to turn to Joe Biden and say, "Don't say the word dumb with me." Yeah, don't call. I'm don't like, use the word smart that. with me, Joe. Yeah. You, I'm, you I'm know, like, are you crazy? Smart. I'm like, dude, because you can't even talk. Exactly. Like a, He's not that smart. I think no. that I'm smarter than him. And the only reason why he wants to win election again is because Obama had two terms. He always comparing himself to Obama. Like, I wonder what Obama's grades look like. Well, I bet Obama didn't hire anybody to take his SAT. Exactly, bro. You don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. You don't <laughs> exactly. want to go there. <laughs> Boy, you don't want to go there. You better let that one go. Um, all right, so let me ask you guys this, and I'll start with uh, Kenya on this one. What did you think of um, the the moderator for this debate, Susan Page, compared to Chris Wallace? Well, dear God <laughs> in heaven, I think that I just might not like moderators. I think I might want somebody from Saturday Night Live to just moderate. Because it all seems very just... I don't know if it's just me, but I think that the moderators, neither one of them had any control. And the female moderator, she was, um, well, she had more reasonable, a more reasonable cast of characters mm -hmm. than, than Chris Wallace. And so I don't even, even have any words for her. Do you think she was better or worse? I think she did a better job, but that's more because both Mike Pence and Kamala Harris were more respectable than Trump and Joe. Um, I don't think I she could have handled Trump and Joe. Because well, no, yeah, she couldn't. I don't think anybody could, which is another thing I, I want to talk about is like I, how the moderators don't really have any power. She literally sat there. Oh, but they like, do. Pres they do. Vice President Vice President Pence, Vice President Pence, all she can do is keep saying that. He could keep talking if he wanted to. But, they I, should give them gavels. I was, I was going to say, what I was going to say is, I, I do think that she had an easier, uh, like, two easier, like, easier debaters to deal with. But I, I remember, I think somebody tweeted, it was like, I didn't think somebody could be worse than Chris Wallace. I thought she was bad. I thought she was, because at least Chris Wallace at one point started pushing back against Trump and Trump, like, at one point it seemed like he was debating Trump himself. I, I just feel like she just completely let him go. Like he would ask, like, and the reason why I'm saying is because there was a, um, like there was a clip from a debate that I saw from a, a senator in Arizona 
and she was um she was Republican and the moderator had asked her a question. He said to her, he's like, Are you proud of your support of President Trump? And then she went, she tried to do what Pence did, where she would ignore the question and she just would give her own generic answer. It's like, oh, I'm proud of the work I've done. And he was like, and so he would interject in there, he's like, so you're proud of your work. And then she would keep going. He's like, he's like, I'm gonna take that as you're proud. Is that that's a yes? Like I'm like he would just Oh, I so didn't know like, moderators could do that. Yes, you can do that. Moderators can also fact check. Like I go back to when Mitt Romney and Barack Obama was moderating in the second one, and Mitt Romney was sitting there lying about what the president said. Like he didn't call the act of care candy. And then Barack Obama was like, uh check the tape. Check the tape. <laughs> and then then Candy Crawley interjected like he did say at this date that uh he called it an act of terror. And then Mitt Romney was like, what? I thought, like, the debates should be, like, where they can pull up what they say. Like, there's stats or there's proof or, like, some type of evidence to support their claims that the candidates are making. So I, I didn't know, like, moderators... Yeah, you can. Moderators can interject. That's your point. Like, if this dude was to sit there, like, when he kept going over his time, she's like, that's your time, sir. That's your time. She could have cut him off and then she could have made sure that Kamala Harris had the equal amount of time. And exactly. it just, like, it just, there's ways you can do it. And I just felt like she was just not good. I just didn't think and she was good. Her questions, I don't know if this is like a, a certain debate that's specifically for vice presidents or they just make up whatever type of format. But I always thought debates were like, first you have a topic or a question. You have one, one side goes, they have a certain time. Then the next person goes, and then, like, there's a certain way to do it, whereas she would have different questions for each candidate, and she wouldn't let one candidate respond to what another candidate has said to that question, where I thought it was supposed to be that way for a debate, where you have a question, you have one person go, that person can say what they want to say about that topic, and address what the, um, what the opposed, opposing opponent has said, or you can say both what you want, and then after that round, you can address what each opponent has said. But your time is limited. And you're there are rules, and, there's, yeah. it, and it's kind of like what you're saying, because they're supposed to be point and counterpoint. Yeah. you got to get your information all in there within that matter of two minutes or whatever the time limit is that they've decided that you're going to have. Yep. And when both parties agree to the rules, you're supposed to stick to the rules. Yes. I will say this uh, before I jump to the last question, because you guys had brought it up when we were talking about Mike Pence's um, performance and how he was he was quick to try to go to the swine flu and he was just throwing out all those numbers. It'd be two million Americans if it was under Barack, well, well, under Barack Obama. Swine flu in the U.S. only killed uh, twelve thousand four hundred and sixty nine people. Okay, um, so I was saying about 13,000. Yeah, so yeah, it only killed that many in comparison to, um, and it was uh, over 273,000 people that got infected and was hospitalized from it, and it only killed 12,000, as opposed to where we are uh, approaching 215,000 uh, deaths of COVID-19, right, COVID and in fact, I saw the CDC projections had it going to where you could get 50,000 people infected per uh, day if we keep going at this rate that we have been going at, which is insane. And um, globally, the swine flu had only infected, or actually it only killed uh, between 151,000 and 575 
thousand globally. So it's not it wasn't even anywhere near as deadly as COVID. But even still, uh, Barack Obama's administration handled it a trillion times better than uh, this disastrous administration. So last question I have for you guys, and <laughs> I, I think I know what the answer is going to be. <laughs> but what was uh, the, f- the funniest moment from the debate, Samaya? Um, I'd have to say, actually, because like um, I saw the memes before I saw the debate, and mine was like all the memes about the fly that was on Mike Pence's head. And like as I was watching it, I was like, I know Kamala Harris saw that fly on his head. I would have told him if I was Kamala Harris, I'd be like, sweetheart, go like this. There's a fly in your head. Go like this. That was my that was my funny my um my favorite funny part. I I think that that's everybody's moment. The fly yeah. is everybody's moment. Yeah. Um, it, it, to me, it's it's almost as good as when that shoe got thrown at George Bush. <laughs> it was, you know, and I, I spoke to you about this earlier, Kenya, and you know, it's like um, going back through history. I, like I had called Kenya Samaya, and I said, I said to her, there comes a point during an election where it's something totally unrelated to <laughs> the candidates or the campaign, and it's something crazy happening. You go. That person just lost the election because like, like I went back with like George Bush when he got sick and he threw up on the Japanese ambassador. He was like, he's not yeah. gonna be reelected. That man just threw up on another man. He is not gonna get reelected. And oh, no. like when Bill Clinton was going up against Bob Dole and he fell off of a stage, and I was like, that. That guy just fell in front of all the people. Oh, oh, he is. Was it Marco here. Rubio that was drinking the water? Yes. Who was, who was yep. really thirsty? He was thirsty. He was sweating. And he's like, I drink water. I like, he is done on the main stage. He is not going to go anywhere. So it was like, like with Trump, it was so many moments. I just like, I think he's the one that might have broke the system because there was so many crazy moments. You couldn't lock in on one. But with this thing, when I saw that fly sitting on Pence's head, I'm like, you really don't feel that? (laughs) That thing was not there for like a few seconds. That joint was there for a minute. It was like like, two minutes. I think people timed it. I think it literally was over two minutes. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was was long. And I was sitting there like, you don't feel that? You don't feel that? Like, I was like, why is he not saying anything? off the family guy. Like, I was like, Can I, I was Kamala Harris. I know we're supposed to be social distancing, but I would have got up and plucked the little pad to shoo it away. Like, that's just disrespectful. They didn't say anything. I just, I think the best things that came out of it, too, is I don't know who's running Joe Biden's uh, Twitter feed, but he is capitalized <laughs> on that fly. Because he, he, had, he had one joint that would take you to IWillVote.com where it says, fly will vote. <laughs> and then, then he had a, a fly swatter, a picture of him with a fly swatter saying, help this campaign fly. <laughs> oh, I was, oh yeah, I saw that. I was cracking up. I was like, there you go, Joey B. Let him know. <laughs> but, but then, um, like, I was looking at the comments on this section because, like, I was, like, trying to hurry up and watch the video before the podcast. 
And um, I accidentally clicked on a video of the debate from Fox News. So like I was looking at the comments and this one person was like, Pence might have flaws, but Kamala Harris has laws. I'm like, I'm sorry, but like the fact that he has flaws right there, flies. The jokes write themselves. I mean, the first thing that I thought of too was like, well, well, flies like poop. And uh, someone said that too. And I was like, I mean, yeah, that, it really did not look good for him. I'll just say, I was that. Like, I was like, um, that fly is attracted to the BS. The <laughs> hey, so it's just, did, did any of you guys see Saturday Night Live last night? The cold, open? I haven't watched it yet, but I'm okay. I'm, I'll let you see it. Do they, they have a fly sketch? They address it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting ready to watch it as soon as I get off with you guys. <laughs> but you know, and, and also I will say this a uh, little spoiler of it. Like you guys had said earlier that Kamala Harris didn't really have to do much. And every commentator pretty much said that too, because they're in the lead. But they capitalized on that in the sketch too, where she she at one point Maya Rudolph as Kamala Harris grabs a bowl of popcorn and was like, I'm just, I'm She's like, keep keep doing you. She's like, I'm like, <laughs> there's nothing. You know what's going to make me say that this election is, is a fraud it is if Trump wins because Hillary Clinton was never this far ahead in That's 2016. True. That's the only thing that gives me a little bit of hope because I was like, I, I, like I've been optimistic going into this election, but I was like, I was telling everybody, ignore them polls, don't pay attention to the polls. Polls don't mean nothing. But yeah, Hillary never had this big of a, and I still tell people, ignore the polls, make a plan, get out there and vote, make your plans, vote, vote, vote. But yeah, we gotta get this clown. I was finally contacted by a a poll person. They actually called me and they said, do you plan to vote? Are you gonna vote for Joe Biden? And do you know where to go to vote? And so Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's the first time ever that a a poll person ever called me. So I, I, I appreciate your, you guys, uh, your time and uh, participating again. And uh, I hope that hopefully we'll, uh, I'm, I don't think there'll be another um, presidential debate because Trump has already talked about he's uh, not doing the virtual debate because they're like, and this was because a lot of the, um, the production people that are, you know, the camera crews and the production staff for the debates had real issues with Trump's campaign and Trump people ignoring the mask mandates and even Mike Pence when his wife came up there without a mask exactly. they was like, look enough's enough and they was like they didn't feel comfortable they didn't feel safe so they wanted to do a virtual debate and Trump was like no I'm not doing it and then they wanted to move the dates and I commend Joe Biden's campaign because they're like look these are the dates we picked I'm going to show up for those debates on those dates and no I'm not changing it and I'm putting my foot down and that's what they did. So now they're not having this the uh, second debate. I think Joe Biden's doing a town hall. Um, yeah. So, because Trump wouldn't have followed the rules anyway. Yeah, exactly. Does. And I think that was the other thing because he knew that if it was virtual, they would have the ability to cut his mic and stuff. And he's like, no, I'm not doing it. And but, he wouldn't be able to interrupt exactly. Joey B. Oh, exactly. that would so, be nice. But uh, I'll have you guys back on uh, before the election at least one more time so we can see how we feel about things. But right. thanks for joining me, you guys. I'll, I'll holler at you later. Okay, bye. bye. That's the uh, end of my conversation with Samaya and Kenya. I am very appreciative 
of them joining joining me. Uh, I hope I'm right in terms of unrelated things or uh, <laughs> something that has nothing to do with the political process helping swing something one way or the other. I thought it was incredibly hilarious uh, and also just a sign the fact that this fly was living on Mike Pence's head during that debate. It was, I, I still just can't, even though it's like a week removed from it, I'm still laughing about it. Um, so uh, up next finally is the end of my Cowboys conversation, and then I'll be wrapping up the episode. This is the Zero to 100 podcast. I, do you guys worry? Because this, I don't think this is going to happen because this division is so bad, so I don't think they will have a chance at this, but do you think if, like, let's say Andy Dalton comes in here and they're absolutely horrible, then they end up losing a ton of games and end up with, like, the number one pick, do you think they would get Trevor Lawrence from Clemson and be like, let's just move on from that? I thought about that yesterday, actually, because I was like, well, if they did go with the rookie, then it's like they're paying <coughs> money. It would allow them to – uh you know, spend money elsewhere and get the team better. Um, you know, uh, they will be paying them more than they paid Dak, I guess, because Dak was a fourth rounder, but there would still be less than, um, you know, pay, like setting the quarterback market. And so I thought, yeah, like if they were terrible, but I, I feel like as bad as this division is, like yeah. Andy Dalton would have to get hurt or yes. just be absolutely terrible for them to, like, finish with the top pick, but yeah. then even if they did get the top pick, it would be smarter to trade it to trade it. I agree. And, you know, that pick up a, a, a couple extra first rounds and uh, first round picks, and so you know, that that I guess would be some silver lining if, if Dalton is terrible. And they, That was my thought. Like, yeah. cause I, I just don't want Dak to not be the quarterback, so I was like even if mm-hmm. they were to be awful, I was like, man, they could trade that pick for they could that could be an Emmett Smith trade right there with all the draft picks you could get for yeah. uh, trading the number one pick for Trevor Lawrence. So um yeah. I, I, I hope but I just yeah, I just think this division is so bad. I just <laughs> it's, it's so I was because I was watching the Eagles Steelers game and I was like, the Eagles are terrible. They are like their defense is like it's not as bad, it's not as bad as Dallas's. Without question, they at least got some symbols. But Carson Wentz is not very good. He is not very good. I don't. I, I just think they're a bad team. So, and the Giants will. You saw what the Giants are and generic team, uh, football team or whatever. <laughs> no name. That team is terrible. So I just even with Dak being going, I was like, yeah. I I still think Dallas is good enough to win this division. But do you guys think the defense was any better in this game, Corey? I mean, I, I guess statistically or, or points-wise, maybe, because um, – no, because I, I forgot. I, I keep thinking that, like, the offense um, or that they ran uh, – what they did – I guess run that one interception back. So it's like, in theory, the defense gave up 27 points. But I'm like, 27 points to the Giants is, you know, 
basically 40 points for everybody else. <laughs> um, so, it, it, I mean, they they got a couple stops, I guess, but it, they didn't really play much better. So who have the Giants played? Because whoever they played, they were unable to score in the first quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they, I mean, they played yeah. – like. So they, they, they had what the the Steelers, Steelers the first game. Yeah, the Rams. Um man, I want to say they played the Ravens, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Cause they, they were pointing out how the Giants had played really good teams um before they played the, the So that sort of shows you where Dallas's defense ranks. So it's far mm-hmm. from anybody that they played. And you know, even though they, they did run back a, uh, a fumble for, for a score, you know, which sort of balanced the, 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 uh, the, the interception that was taken back for a, a score. It's still. Oh, okay. So, yeah, the, all right. The Giants, they played the Steelers the first game. They played the Bears the second game. And I know the Bears are 4-1, and one, but I, I don't think that's a real form. I don't think they're very good. I like when I watched the Bears play, uh, I was like, this team, it's 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 shocking to me how they're four and one, because I don't think they're good. Uh then they played the 49ers the third game and the Rams the fourth game and then the Cowboys. So yeah, they they yeah, it's it's been a struggle. Is prior to this game, the most points they had scored was 16 points, and that was the first game of the season versus the Steelers. So, so yeah, it's it's yeah. So, so you know, the, the defense is really, and and you know, it's, it's in a normal season, it's the defense is probably comes along the, the 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 quickest. You know, your offense usually struggles at the beginning of the season, and then. They hit their stride, but it's defense that holds you in the game. Uh, you know, I, I just, like, you know, I worry against how bad they're going to do against Arizona. Yeah. But I think McCarthy is smart enough to know what he has. And you just got to come out trying to score 50 points. Yeah. You know? That's it's really, it's really score every time you have the ball and try to be the last team with the ball. Yep. Yeah. Cause that's that's what it is. Like uh, you know, Troy Aikman was on the station down in Dallas and he was saying he looks at the NFL a lot more like the NBA now, where it really doesn't matter as much what you're doing at the beginning of the game. Like that's why all these teams are able to come back from very large deficits. Uh and it's really like as long as you can get the ball last with the chance to either tie or win then you should be able to be in the game. But, yeah, that the defense is just – I mean, take away the turnovers, but that's the problem. Like, you would, you would like to think the Cowboys could stop turning the ball over to the extent that they're doing. But even still, like, prior to the turnovers, they still was letting the Giants run on them. They still can't set the edge. And that's – I guess that's the biggest issue I have with Mike Nolan – it's like I don't feel like he utilizes the personnel that he has to their strength. Like Everson Griffin cannot set an edge. He can't mm-hmm. do it. And he looks 
lost out there. And uh, you know, I, I Corey had said the last episode, I would have I would have cut him after the uh the play where he was playing patty cake with Baker Mayfield. Yeah. I just like when that touchdown run by Ingram when they ran that reverse to the tight end, he was right there. He was right there. So I was like, how he couldn't make that play. I was like, this dude is terrible. He is absolutely terrible. And I'm like, I'm guessing like every week he going to have a play where it's like him isolated on the edge and he just yes. embarrassed. Like, yeah. Cause it was a, it was a sports writer. I was, um, I, I follow on Twitter and he was saying, he tweeted, he was like, teams are targeting Everson Griffin on the edge and it's a problem. You need yeah. something different. And so, yeah, I, I just, I don't get it. I mean, it's funny because like the last episode, I snapped and went off on Jalen Smith and I actually think Jalen Smith had his best game in a season and a half and they still gave up 34 points. So it's like, it doesn't, it just the secondary is awful. I don't understand how Daryl Worley can get onto the field. He is garbage. I, I I thought Jordan Lewis was okay, but he doesn't look good because if he can't cover guys, he's grabbing them and holding them blatantly. Obviously, so, yeah. This, but you know, um, no one is as bad as Kevin Smith was. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, you know, I think that they're using that as their standard of whether we'll put them at, at cornerback. But, um, yeah, I, you, you just, you, you know, you hope the coaches are, that they're seeing something in practice that makes you feel that they, they can come around. But, uh, you know, uh, other than uh, uh, Diggs, uh, you know, I, I don't, you know, because even if uh, Aruzie comes back, because you know I wasn't all that high on Aruzie, no, but not after the last couple of years, the, the ones they have makes Aruzie look good. Yeah, that that's true. That yeah. is true. Because yeah, uh, the court, yeah, the corners they do have. So uh, I do know that apparently uh, Van Der Esch should be back for the Monday night game. Uh, and I think Randy Gregory is eligible to come back. At, uh, it's either the Monday night game or after the Monday night game. And I almost yeah, like like bench Griffin and yes. uh, put Randy Gregory in there. Yeah, but you know, the, I think the problem that they have is that they can't shut down the middle. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and and then you have where they can't seal the edge. Yeah, so that's why teams are just running all over them because it doesn't mm-hmm. matter whether you. Uh, putting the, uh, do uh, run the middle or or do the edge. Yeah. You're just not. They're not just not going to stop them. And so it comes down to execution in their passing game is where that that's the only thing that stops the drive. Yep. Yeah. It's it's like you almost have to hope. Like they like they got lucky a, a number of times yesterday. Like on the fake field goal, they got lucky. Um, and they got lucky on the, the touchdown to Slay where they had offensive pass interference because the guy ran a pick. So that that was – they got lucky on that. So it's – I guess you just got to hope you can get lucky a couple times. And, I mean, they did get the, the stop at the end of the game to get the ball back so that they could set up the field goal. So it's like all you're asking for them to do is make 
three three or four stops in the course of a game. If you could just get three or four stops and, and hopefully you can, you know, get do something with it. But yeah, but it was it was I think late in the second half when yeah. the Giants had to kick the ball. Yeah. One punt. I mean, I had, yeah. One punt they had in the game. And that was late in the second half. In fact, I think it was the last time the Giants had the possession of the of the ball. Was the only time they punted, and I'm like, "That's ridiculous!" Because it's the Giants. It's the, you're not. I don't understand it. Um, I did find out. Uh, I did find out that Tristan Hill is out for the year. So I will ask you guys. I mean, this, the injury bug is tearing this team up because you got. Well, you know, it's funny, but I think it's the whole rig that I don't know if training camp conditions them better. Yeah. So that, you know, starting the season without training camp, you've seen all these injuries. I mean, you, yeah. know, you know, the thing that killed uh, San Francisco was their injury. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think that um, – I don't know – you know, I don't follow uh, uh, Pittsburgh that well to know whether or not they have a series of injuries. But it really looks like – Whoever has the healthiest team mm-hmm. at the end of the season is the yeah. ones that's going to be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, so yeah. I will say, out of all of the injuries, like I, I know Dak is by far the most important one, but is there any other of the injuries that you, other than Dak that you would say, man, that's a backbreaker? This that Tyron Smith. Yeah. 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 You know, if they don't realize that they're going to have to do three step drops with, with Dalton. Because if he drops back, you know, I don't know who that line's going to stop. Yeah. It didn't instill me with confidence on a second and one when Dalton came in in the first play. He drops back and pass and he gets sacked. And I'm like, yeah, this is. Why would you do that? Yeah. I mean, why would you do that? I have issues with Kellen Moore's play calling. Because, like, on the drive where they got the field goal to tie the game, they was marching right down the field doing downhill running. And then when they get down in the scoring range, he goes, let's run a reverse to Amari. And then that loses yards. Let's throw some weird screen pass to Tony Pollard. That lost nine yards. I'm like, what are you doing? Just, yeah. like, just stop. But last uh, question for you guys, because uh, I have revised last episode, I revised my prediction on where I had them finishing. Uh, after Dak went out, I'm not – initially my thought was this season is over. I don't even care throwing it in the trash. But where do you guys honestly think that they'll finish or what, what do you think their record can be now that uh, Dak is going and it's now going to be Dalton? I'm looking at their schedule now because I was like some of the games that I thought was going to be harder are actually not going to be as bad like – San Francisco, right? Um, the way they got killed by the Dolphins, it, it seems like their season is going down the drain. Yeah. So uh, I'm a in the division. I'm a, I'm gonna say they'll go five and one in division. So that's um, so it's like four and one the rest of the way. So that's they're at like six and four. Then I'll get them. I'm like they should win at least eight games. And, yeah, I mean, like, the, the rest of their schedule, the only really tough opponents, I would say, are, like, the Steelers, 
and Ravens. So, um, you know, but with the way the defense is playing and, you know, not having deck, they could lose to any of these teams. But um, I'm going to say that they're – I think I said eight and eight last time. I'll probably stick with that. And, you know, maybe they could go nine and seven because um, the schedule is not looking as hard as it was before. And the, the, the division is just terrible. Yeah, I'm just not – you know, Mike Nolan in these first five games has not – giving me a good feeling that this defense is going to get much better. Uh, you know the safeties are horrendous. Mm -hmm. And if you get a good offensive uh, coordinator going against Dallas, uh, he's, go he's going to uh, just pick them apart. So I, I, I think they'll go eight and eight, and that's because they got you know five five more games playing division opponents, and, and, and they should win all of those, um, you know. But, you know, Arizona, you know, I'm not sure they, they're going to be able to outscore them. And that's what it is, is that they've got to outscore their, their, their team. And so – Yeah, the, the – um... I, I don't I, – I don't, you know, it would be hard for me to see them winning – you know they're going to um, be in the first round of the playoffs because they're not going to have a record to, to get a bye. Um, I, I, you know, I have to unless they are scoring fifty points a game, and and you know, and if they do that, you know that plays to their deep to the defense because if you can get if you can do uh, in, uh, the Patriots uh, strategy or Scoring quick, getting ahead, where you force the other team to start throwing, mm -hmm. and now you turn loose what hopefully will be a line that can put pressure on the quarterback. Then you got a chance. Other than that, you just got to say, okay, we're going to control the clock, and we got to score every time we get the ball, and you know, just limit it to where we get with the last one with the ball, and we can win on the last drive. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not that confident about their field goal kick. Yeah, some of them kicks. <laughs> some of them kicks were shaking. Because a couple of them looked like they were going to sail past that right upright. Yeah. And they just surprisingly stayed inside it. So, I, yeah. They've got, they've got to get better. I mean, but, you know, offensively, they have the talent. It's the defense that really is going to mm -hmm. limit them. And so I think they'll get to the playoffs, but I just don't see them advancing much beyond the playoffs. The Monday night game is going to tell me a lot. It's, it's, that's the thing that's going to change my perception. Uh, I definitely, because I, I had them, I mean, initially, when, before the season started and I went through their schedule, I was like, 14-2. I was like, this team is loaded, and then, then after the you know the nonsense of the one and three start, I was like, man, look, I I gotta revise it. I was like, I'm sorry, this, but I I felt confident. I was like, this division is bad. Ten and six, they can do it. Ten and six, they just gotta outscore people. But now with that being going, 
I'm very concerned, and I'm dropping it. I'm not gonna go eight and eight, but I got them going nine and seven, <laughs> like nine and seven. But if the, if that's if they beat the Cardinals, I'll feel a little bit better. Yeah, they, yeah. If they beat the Cardinals, it tells you that the coaches came up with some strategy. But it's really defense. I mean, you know, can they, you know, if if they if they're able to uh, get a team down by 14 points where that team feels they got to pass in order to get back in the game, that feeds Dallas's uh, front four, you know, uh, of putting pressure on a a, Mm -hmm. a quarterback. But to do that, you know, one, they they need to take that first drive and kill the clock. I mean, this is, they need to do one of those drives like, um, um, you know, first year of Wade Phillips, uh, they were in the playoffs against yeah. the, the Giants, and they practically kept the ball all of the second quarter except yep. for a minute or so. Yep. And the defense let the Giants score in that minute. Yeah, that drive. I've recently, in fact, before this game, somebody on Twitter had put the highlights of that game on there, and I was watching. I said, the Giants got the ball with less than a minute left, and they really let them get down there and score a touchdown. I was like, I could have even excused it if you just held them to three. But I was like, how'd you let them get down there and score a touchdown? And it was two catches that Patrick Creighton should have had to mm-hmm. win that game where it was that third and long and he dropped it when Romo scrambled out of a sack and hit him in stride and he should have caught it. And then there was another one down by the goal line that he dropped that he should have caught for a touchdown. I'm like, what are you doing? Just, but anyway, all right. Well, I appreciate you guys jumping on, and uh, I'll try to have you back on, uh, and we'll see where the Cowboys are after this Monday night game. But, yeah, spirits are low with the injury to deck and that defense, but we'll see. Yeah, right. well, you know, the only thing, the, the offense is there. It's just yeah. I've never seen a defense as, as bad as this defense. Yeah, it's historically bad. But you guys have a good night. Okay. Right. Night. Bye. Night, everybody. That's going to do it for the Zero to 100 podcast. Once again, I want to uh, thank my family for jumping on and participating. Samaya, Kenya, uh, Dad, and Corey. I really appreciate it. Uh, I am trying to remain optimistic in both fronts in terms of this election and also in terms of the rest of the Cowboys season. Yes, one definitely carries more weight than the other. Uh, I'm not going to say which one I feel like carries more weight than the other. Okay, I'm joking. I'm I'm being joking because yes, the election carries more weight. Uh, My wife will probably argue with me that I'm, I'm not being honest in that regard but i will say i i am much more optimistic this go around um i mean i I, i'd be lying if i was saying i wasn't optimistic back in 2016 but uh there was a a aching feeling in the back of my mind that was like okay we were laughing at this guy for running but I'm a little afraid what if he actually does win because I didn't think he was going to actually win the Republican nomination. So it's it's a little terrifying. But um, 
I am a lot more optimistic. And um, in terms of the Cowboys, I don't think Andy Dalton is a bad player. I mean, he's, he's been a starter. I think he can manage it. There's so many weapons on the Cowboys offense. The offense should be good. The defense, I am definitely worried about because they are just not very good. In fact, they're horrible. Um, so, yeah, that brings me concern. So, we'll see what happens on Monday night. I'm, I'm pessimistic just because of, even though I think the Cowboys have a better team. Uh, over, well, let me not say that. The Cardinals definitely have a better defense. Uh, they have a decent offense with De, uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray, but I think the Cowboys can outscore them if they don't turn the ball over, but that's a big if from what I've seen out of these first uh, four four games with the Cowboys, so, um, or first five games, excuse me, yeah, that's a big if, but anyway, uh, thanks for listening, next episode, like I said, is going to be coming out much sooner, because uh, I've already, uh, actually already have it partially recorded, uh, I had a, uh, I'm joined by two guests, and we were discussing the uh, Ice Cube controversy from this past week um, when the news came out that Ice Cube was working with the Trump administration in regards to the, his platinum plan, which is his appeal to black voters. Um, had a really good conversation with my very good friend, Christina, and Corey comes back as well, and we talk about that. And, and we get into a discussion in general of just in terms of our reaction to it and our thoughts in working with the Trump administration or working with a political party or a group that you don't think has the best interest in heart because there's been a lot of debate uh, especially in this election in terms of should black people support the Democratic Party and have Democrats actually even done anything for black people and we kind of get into that discussion um and we talk about that in the next episode. So come back for sure. Listen to it. I'm going to try to post it a lot sooner. Um, I try to give it at least a week in between. But because that was so new and I really wanted to get it out as well. Um, I, I'm probably going to try to get it out either Monday or, or Tuesday or so. I'm not going to give a definitive date on it. Uh, but it will definitely be within this week before next weekend um, that I'll get that episode posted. Uh, and maybe I'll have some Cowboys talk. In fact, why am I lying? I know I'm going to have some Cowboys talk in that regard. But if you ever want to join the conversation or if you have any other topics that you would like for me to cover, just email me at 0to100pod at gmail.com. That's the number 0TO, the number 100 pod at gmail.com uh, also make sure you follow me on twitter at wcw poet i will mention that in the next episode something really cool happened to me on twitter this this uh this week i'm pretty jazzed by it uh i'm not gonna say what it is right now so you have to come back next episode to find out what it was uh yeah i'm probably being a dork or i'm 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 mad that i'm was this jazzed off of it but i don't care it was cool uh so, but like I said, if you have want to join the conversation, uh, you can hit me up on uh, through email or even on Twitter. In fact, because like the the subject matter for the next episode only came up because I was texting back and forth with Christina, and she was hitting me up in regards to um, you know 
people's reactions to Ice Cube and his response to the reaction and, and all that. It's 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 really good conversation that we had and uh, I learned a lot in terms of, of looking into it and, and so uh, we have a really good discussion. I think that's something that's missing whenever you have these um, hot uh, button issues or topics is that it's it's so it, it, it is like even though I call this uh, this podcast zero to one hundred because I'm very passionate about things and I go zero to one hundred on stuff. I do acknowledge that there is a lack of nuance when it comes to these discussions in terms of people's positions uh, about politics or or even sports or anything. And sometimes I do, especially when it comes to politics, I like to find the nuance and things. Now, sports that's a totally different matter, but. Uh, definitely look forward to you guys coming back and listening to that episode like i said it's going to be out very very soon uh i do want to end the episode with uh like i'm gonna the la- this is gonna be the last thing i'm gonna say but after this you'll hear my quarterback uh Dak prescott's response um to uh you know acknowledgement to his supporters and the people that are sending him well wishes as he's been on the mend and i'll say this um there hasn't been an injury that has like a, a player's injury that has impacted me to the extent of Dak prescott's like i i'm not even gonna front when he i saw him on the sideline being carted off he started to cry i could feel a little welling a little bit of welling up if, <laughs> because it was like man it just it your heart breaks for him and especially because of what he's going through and it's like the fact that he seems like a genuinely good person and that his brother committed suicide earlier this year and he was still didn't get his contract and his mother had died before he was in the nfl he was the one that was holding his family together and it's just he just seems like a really good dude and a really good guy and uh, so it, it it hurt like i was like oh man this this is hitting me in my heart it's like it's devastating and this you know as, as many injuries as the cowboys have had for guys that are out for the season like tyron smith is going for the year tristan hill's going for the year and um lyle collins is going for the year and those are big pieces key pieces but man that deck prescott oh it just got me in my heart but this is his response i really thought it was great it shows that he's in good spirits going forward and uh, i look forward to his comeback I, like i i was telling my wife and she's laughing at me he's like man I'm, I'm ready for next season so i can just see deck prescott back out there now um i definitely want the cowboys to be successful but uh this is this has been the zero to 100 podcast episode 53 and uh we out what's up everyone just want everyone to know that i'm doing well um and i can't thank you enough for all your your love your support your prayers um over the last few days they've been more than overwhelming um from from teammates to family to friends uh to fans i don't know to former and current players around the league and players around um all sports i just wanted to say thank you uh, they're definitely appreciated and received well. So um, just knowing that I have that much love and support out there makes a huge difference um, and great spirits. Headed to see the doctor, headed to see my leg for the first time post-surgery. Uh, so just ready to start this road to come back. Uh, I know this is this little adversity is just gonna be another, uh, another chapter in the book. Uh, and I'm excited to move forward and write it. Um, just once again, can't thank you all enough for, for your love and your support through it all. But I'm in great spirits, I'm gonna stay that way. I'm looking forward to to this football season, 
seeing the game in a different perspective um, and support my teammates and, and those around the league that need it. Um, and just and just excited, excited for, for God's purpose and God's plan. I know it's bigger than anything that I see um, or that could have imagined, but uh, I'm trusting him. My faith is doubled down more than ever. Uh, and I'm thankful that, that he's my savior and he guides me in life. So uh, I know through him, um, all this will be possible and all this will, will be a great comeback and a great story. So once again, thank you for your support. Thank you for your love. Um, and uh, ready to get this, this journey of the comeback started. So God bless you all. Thank you. That's my quarterback. <laughs> so, yeah, that was Dak. This has been the Zero to 100 Podcast. Like I said, we out.